Over a million people watched what videos in 2023, and we're going to count down the 10 most watched videos of the year. Thank you for sharing our videos with others that people may know the truth of God's word when we understand the text. Happy New Year from When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible commentary to help you grow in the Word of Christ. Now is a great time to tell your friends about our daily Bible reading for 2024, which you can find on our YouTube channel, WWUTT. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Since this is your first episode of 2024. Oh yeah, it is, isn't it? You were not on with me last week to finish finish the top 40 stories of the year. I got some emails. I didn't. Did I didn't, you? I, yeah, I didn't Aww. pull them up, but I had someone like, where was Becky? Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> One of them said, I felt gypped. I had to listen to you for the first 20 <laughs> stories and I didn't get Becky for the second 20. Aww. Hey, we're already fully aware. You listen to the Friday episode for Becky. Oh, whatever. <laughs> well, I think, I think it's the two of us and our banter. Yeah, there you go. If they listen to just me. No. <laughs> Well, there aren't any episodes with just you. I know that's the point. <laughs> you know when I there's a good reason for that. <laughs> when we had that month, the month of July and twenty three, where I wasn't on, uh-huh. I did have some people ask me, "Can Becky just do it by herself?" Oh no, I, <laughs> no, you don't. You don't want me to. I told them. I said, "There's no way no. she would do it by herself." You, you guys would be so lost. Like <laughs> Gabe is the one that fills in my blanks. My my brain goes from point A to point. What? Q. Q. <laughs> and then I got to do all talk. the letters in between. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wait, let me back up. And then I'll back up one. No, that's not enough. Let me back up again. Nope, that's still. Let me just start all over. Uh, I mean, the best is when. So bad. <laughs> the best is when she actually just jumps in at M. Yeah. And she expects you to have. Because I've through. already had A through L in my head. This whole conversation right. was in my head. And it just totally made sense. And I'm like, hey. yeah." No. And she expects that I have been following her alphabet <laughs> and then he, all the way up to that gives point. gives me this blank look. What are you talking I'm about? Like, okay, hold on. <laughs> Sonia got pretty good about that, too. Yeah. Filling actually, in all those blanks. And actually, she... She was quite good at it. <laughs> yes, she sometimes, is. sometimes you would start something, and I'd kind of glance over at her and go, yep. "I'm going to wait to see if Sonya's picked up on this one." <laughs> may, the may best it. was when both of you guys gave me the blank look, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, never yeah, mind." Now I know. <laughs> now I know I was in the wrong spot here with this, this one. So bad. <laughs> Sonia, we miss you. Hope you're listening to uh, to this Very particular much. episode. And for this year, as we've jumped into 2024, of course, this was kind of unannounced. I really did it somewhat last minute. But we're going through the entire Bible, mm-hmm. reading the LSB for 2024. And you get text and audio at our YouTube page, as you mentioned in the opener, yeah. WWUTT. So go there. And it doesn't matter whether it doesn't matter when you start a Bible reading plan. Right. We typically have it in our heads. Like, okay, I got to start January 1 and go through December 31st. Yeah. But you can start it or now. Or start at the beginning of the week or, yeah. you know, the beginning of the month. And, you know, it's it's always, um, what do you call it? Procrastinating? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm yeah, guilty. You can do it like three times a week <laughs> so and watch two videos at a time yeah, if you wanted to do go. that. 
Are they 90 seconds? Oh, no. They're <laughs> like just 15, <laughs> 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm just teasing. The one that I did recently on Genesis, uh, oh, where is it that Abraham's servant goes to pick up Rebecca? Pick up Rebecca for Isaac. Okay. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I didn't remember. Yeah. Okay. That's like Genesis. Uh, is it 26? Uh, no, it's before that. I was it is, say, is it that 24. Far? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Genesis 24. That's a long chapter. Yeah. I mean, that one chapter, I think, was about as long as the usual lessons that well, I was I mean, doing, he's, throwing he's three chapters go. together. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to go and he's got to tell the story three times yes. in that chapter. So. Yes. So at least you're repeating, but, you know. <laughs> it is some repetition. Anyway, you can find that at our YouTube channel, WWUTT. I've done, what, seven or eight videos this year already Yeah. in 2024, but they're all Bible reading videos. Today we are counting down the top 10 most watched what videos for 2023. Yes. And we're going to read some of the comments that you shared on those videos. That I shared? Well, yeah. I'm pointing, pointing to Becky. I am pointing to <laughs> Becky Sorry, when I, I said that. I was a little that. lost. Yes. That, a, that you like, shared, shared. The general you. Ah, uh, you. You. Comments. You had the yous guys <laughs> that you have posted on our videos. I'm going to read some of those comments in connection with, uh, with these videos. Now, really, the top video for 2023, the most watched video was the one that I did on the Enneagram. Ah, you're going to give it away, huh? Well, no, that's because that's not on this list. Oh. That video was over 10 minutes long. Oh. And so that's not on this list. These are the two minutes or less. Okay, okay, okay. So these are the top 10 short what videos for the year. Gotcha. I've got another long video coming up in a couple of months. It's going to be kind of like a short doc on Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. Okay. And I'm trying to have that one out by April. And then there will be like a like a read redux version of it in June. Yeah. But that video is longer. That's going to be closer to a half an hour long. That'll be Are the you longest do like what video. The live video or the live movie. The live movie. Yeah. Like- Are you going to like have people actually <laughs> acting it out and stuff? No. <laughs> I thought you were doing like live commentary on Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that would be a twist. That's already happened. <laughs> Has, what? <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah already took place. Babe. Oh, Sorry. Oh, oh. I thought you meant the live commentary already took place. <laughs> no. I was like, what? <laughs> you can find the live commentary at Genesis 19. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> That's where the live commentary is written down. Uh, All right, so let's get to these. These are the 10 biggest what videos for the year. And we start with number 10, which happened to be that. Now, this is a countdown. We're going from 10 to 1. Okay. So the number one video was the most watched video for the year. Yes. Whereas when we were doing those 40 biggest stories of the year, that wasn't a countdown. No, it wasn't. That was more chronological in a way. Yeah, right. It was just 40 stories, and we started from January and went through December. Yeah. So, okay, so we're starting with number 10. and. And this video, yeah, that's right. We need some, <laughs> some like a. You, oh, you, where's the the clapping or something? Oh, hang, yeah, hang on. No, that's not that, it. That's the wrong button, babe. That's right. That's it. There you go. That was it. You got it. Uh, sorry, too many. I think there's a there's a shorter version. Hang on. There, there it is. Okay. Why wasn't as fun though. I'm gonna do that every time, <laughs> and then you got to throw the number in. Oh dear. 
Okay, here we go. This was the last video that I did at the end of the year, but it managed to jump into the top 10. Of course. So here is the number 10 video for 2023. At the end of 2023, a right-wing beer company presented the Conservative Dad's Real Women of America calendar. Now, I did not look through this calendar, but the cover was enough, with swimmer Riley Gaines in as salacious a pose as any stripper. Other models included Ashley St. Clair, who works for the Babylon Bee, and Sarah Gonzalez of Blaze TV. Though it's been argued that a few of the models wear more clothes, the purpose is clearly to market risque women for dads to lust over. Jesus said if you look at a woman with lust, it's the same as committing adultery with her in your heart. How is this conservative? But this is how mainstream conservatism is going. A year before, Jeremy Boring, who calls himself the CEO and God King of The Daily Wire, a conservative news outlet, launched Jeremy's Razors in a commercial with swear words and barely dressed women. PragerU and Blaze TV also brand themselves as conservative, yet they publicly congratulated Dave Rubin when he announced he and his faux husband were expecting children through a surrogate. Megan Kelly, Megan McCain, and Chris Rufo also said congrats, and Stephanie Hamill of TPUSA. Speaking of, Charlie Kirk, founder of Turning Point USA, which promotes conservative politics to young people, defended the openly gay Rob Smith as a conservative at a TPUSA event. Is this really surprising when the first president of the United States to enter office as LGBTQ affirming was not Bill Clinton, Barack Obama or Joe Biden? It was Donald Trump, the conservative, though he's a pornographer, casino and strip club owner and serial adulterer. If conservatives aren't conserving the most fundamental facts of life, like male and female, man and woman, father and mother, and that sex is for marriage between a husband and wife, they're not conserving anything. Ancient Israel became like the pagans around them, worshiping their false gods and perished in judgment. These things happened as examples for us so that we would not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were and engage in sexual immorality as some of them did and were destroyed. Do not put Christ to the test when we understand the text. Mr. Thunder said, Hold the line, Christians. We must not budge one inch from God's word. This godless culture must not sway us in the least bit. Pursue holiness and endeavor to honor God in 2024. Blessing in Christ. Mm. Good comment and a good comment to get us started here, too. RM said, my only problem with this video is that I can only like it once. They they need a like times 10,000 button. Oh, that's kind. Carl Williams. I've always considered these people more libertarian than conservative. You don't want to tell a libertarian that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tell a libertarian that Trump was their candidate. <laughs> I don't think they would be too keen on that. So anyway, Carl goes on to say politically, they are conservative when it comes to limiting government and things like that, uh, things of that nature. But morally, they have a live and let live attitude, which is to be expected when they are unregenerate. Mm. I think it's worse than that because that sounds too neutral. It sounds too neutral to have this position of live and let live. No, they're LGBTQ affirming. Yeah, which means that if you don't say anything about it, then you're against them. Yeah, there are a number like you can't even be on the sidelines. A number of Trump uh, of pro Trump people <laughs> were pro LGBTQ. Yeah. So and that's it. That's where the conservative movement and it, it really it happened for conservatives faster than it did for Democrats. Yeah. For the left, like you think of you think of the the stuff that you're watching in the secular conservative movement as being more of a of a slow fade as opposed to the Democrats who barreled into it faster. 
I would say that the opposite is true mm. because it was kind of this slow thing that was happening from the conservatives. And then all of a sudden, boom, it was almost like overnight conservatives are pro LGBTQ. Yeah, it really did. This person uh, whose name is, but for the grace of God, I think we far too often confuse conservative with Christian. They are not always, nor most often, synonymous. Very true. That's true. Robert Holmes, see Charlie Kirk's podcast when he said abortion is now a losing issue for Republicans. It is costing us elections and we are forfeiting political power for something we cannot win, unquote. That's Charlie Kirk. That's the founder of TPUSA. So, yeah, he sounds like a secularist. Yeah. He uh, though he claims to be a Christian and cl- he, he'll make the same professions that Donald Trump does. He'll say the Bible's his favorite book. Mm. Yeah. And that this is a Christian nation. He'll say th- he'll say things like that, but he doesn't really believe it. No alliances. That, that's the person's name. No alliances. It's been said the lesser of two evils is still evil. True. And Kalo said, speaking of Charlie Kirk and TPUSA. They're partnering with Michael O'Fallon and his atheist friend, James Lindsay, having the latter at the TPUSA Faith Pastors Summit. Lindsay gives good explanations, I think, of the evolution of Gnosticism to wokeness, but I think Christians are getting too cozy with him. Yeah, it is true that mm-hmm. uh, that James Lindsay spoke at that quote-unquote pastors conference, mm-hmm. but it was it was awful. Lindsay has no business being there, nor does any Christian have any business inviting him to things like that. Lindsay is an outspoken atheist, has outright said he hates God. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. So he should not be. He, and he get, keeps getting invited to these things. And Christians will likewise partner with him, stand on the sta- same stages with him when he's a man who hates and blasphemes God. He thinks that he's protecting the church and he's protecting like freedom of religion. But that doesn't make us allies. It's just strange. <laughs> yeah, it's a, there's a lot of that with James Lindsay. All right, so here's now the number nine video of the year. What? Oh, yeah, right. I got to hit my thing. Okay. She was making a gesture at me, and I'm like, what what did I miss? Nine! (laughs) Why did I not remember to do that? I don't know. That's classic now. This is going to be the rest of this episode. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Here we go. In the generations before God judged the world in the great flood, Genesis 6-4 says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. There are a few different theories concerning who the Nephilim were. In Genesis 4, we're given a dark genealogy in the line of Cain, and in Genesis 5, we read the genealogy of his brother Seth. So one theory goes that the sons of God were the descendants of Seth, who were righteous, and the daughters of men were the descendants of Cain, who were unrighteous. These two came together, bad company corrupted good morals, and their offspring were violent and evil, so that you could no longer tell the righteous from the unrighteous. Another theory is that the Nephilim were fallen angels, since sons of God is used in Job 1 and 2 in reference to angels. However, angels are unable to procreate. Jesus said that in the resurrection there is no marriage, for we will all be like angels in heaven. So a third possibility combines the other two theories, and the Nephilim were men possessed by fallen angels, who bred with women and raised mighty yet violent sons. This would explain how the Nephilim were in the earth before the flood, and also after all life on earth was deluged with water and destroyed. 
A day is coming where God will again destroy the unrighteous, men and fallen angels, this time by fire. The only way to be saved is to believe in Jesus Christ when we understand the text. Now, that video kind of goes along with uh, one of the news stories that we read a couple of weeks ago in the growing interest mm. in uh, in uh, what what we call cryptids. Right. Bigfoot, aliens, UFOs, mm-hmm. ghosts, goblins, things like that. So all those things that kind of fit in that category. And so when it comes to Christians talking about this kind of stuff, the Nephilim are often brought up. In fact, there was a news story just about a week ago. This was in the first week of 2024. Okay. That there were these shadow men at a mall in the Miami area in Florida. They were like nine to 10 feet tall. Whoa. And this massive police force was deployed to go to the mall where people were reporting these giant shadow men. And so the the news story goes that these were Nephilim. Okay. <laughs> news story. I, I really more the rumor mill. Okay. We, the, none I of that was. was say, yeah. None of that was reported on the news that way. Fact checking. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the, now the thing I do want to know. How was, would you fact check that? Anyway. Yeah. Well, nobody has a video of it. Oh. So there's not uh, you know video evidence of these nine to ten foot men in an age with smartphones. Nobody can grab a video of these people. Hmm. Now, I would argue that if such things exist, I don't think they can be captured on phones. Ooh. Mm. (laughs) But I'm not saying that I believe that aspect of the story. I am curious to know, though, why was there such a massive number of police cars that were deployed to that mall in Miami? That's true. Like when Mm. you see the video of just the lines of police cars descending on the mall, I don't understand why there were so many cops. So that's weird. That is weird. But I don't I I don't if somebody were to call the police station and say, hey, we've got nine foot shadow men walking around the mall in Miami. I I don't think they would be laughed at. Yeah, exactly. I don't think the Florida police force is going to go send everybody. Right. (laughs) That's just random. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Everybody was bored? Yeah. I don't. So there's and you're going to see a lot more of this. More of this is going to come out. fascination with the Nephilim and applying that to things that are going on in the culture. And there's going to be those conspiracy theorists who think that when Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be before the coming of the son of man. Mm -hmm. They're going to apply that verse to say, Jesus just said the Nephilim are going to be back in the earth. No, that's not what that means. Yeah. He he explained exactly what that means. Mm -hmm. He said, just as they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage, and then the floodwaters came and so it's going to be on this wicked generation. Yeah. Everything's going to be going as normal. And then suddenly Christ is going to return. Right. As if without warning. In, like a thief in the night. That's right. In Second Peter chapter 3, it says that in the last days there will be scoffers going, where are the signs of his coming? Mm-hmm. For the earth is just continuing on as it always has. But be aware, beloved, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years of one day. Mm-hmm. He is not slow to fulfill his promise. But is patient toward you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to reach repentance. Praise the Lord for that. Everyone who God has elected for salvation is coming to repentance. And then Christ returns. Mm -hmm. So with regards to this particular video, Cameron responded, it's so nice to hear someone actually say all the theories instead of just the most ridiculous ones. (laughs) Fair enough. This person whose name was just simply Horse. I was always under the belief the fallen angels mated with earthly women and giants were the result. I have wondered if skeletons of dinosaurs are actually the giants, especially since a secular world makes dinosaurs fun and cute for children. See, that's one of the more weird conspiracy theories. 
Mm. Or one of the more weird theories. One of the more weird yeah. explanations. Of it. Yeah. No, the dinosaurs are not the result of the Nephilim. They were real creatures on the earth. Yeah. The and Bible says it. That's right. Yeah. You can find places in scripture where dinosaurs are described, like Job chapter 40, mm-hmm. for example. Who who was that author that we saw in Alaska when we were there? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jason Lyle. Yes. Yeah. He has lots of books about it. Great stuff. Yes. Check out Jason Lyle stuff. And I think it's through uh, Answers in Genesis that his stuff gets published. I think so. So, you, of course, you get a lot of stuff through Answers in Genesis also. Mm-hmm. Free on their website as well, answering questions just like that. Thomas Bunn, not being given in marriage doesn't mean unable to procreate. Jesus qualified his words by saying specifically the angels in heaven. The ones that stayed righteous didn't take wives. The angels that rebelled might have. Just my thoughts. Thank you for all the work that you do. Your videos have been phenomenal for years. God bless you and yours. Well, I want to know where in scripture it says that demons can procreate. Because if demons can, then this would be the only passage that says it. If we're going to cross-reference this with anything to come to an understanding of how demons can mate with human women and procreate, where else would that be said in scripture? Now, now for Jesus to say... That people will be like angels in heaven. There will not be marriage and giving in marriage. Well, what is one of the one of the primary purposes of marriage? To have children. Yep. Angels can't. They don't get married because they don't procreate. Those things are linked. Now, some of the comments that I got back from that after I posted that video, I was like, yeah, I should have spent more time talking about Marriage? Well, not marriage, marriage. Not marriage, but yeah. I mean, I mean, this is how that comment that Jesus made is connected to that. Mm. Like if a if a fallen angel were to mate with a human woman, mm-hmm. they have DNA. They have human DNA that they can pass on to a human woman. And and that offspring, if if the offspring are the Nephilim and they're giants. I mean, are we are we talking about this offspring being inherently fallen and there's no way for them to be saved? Do they not have human souls? I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're leaving this open for me to say something. I, I just, have no idea. You, you have some uh, good witticisms that I thought you would throw in there and just. Nope. I'm kind of flatline. I'm, I'm just um, I'm kind of stuck in really people. OK. Yeah, I, I just don't buy that explanation. Now, I don't deny the idea that there were giants in the land. I think that there were large human beings. I mean, Goliath was over I nine was feet tall. Say, yeah. Yeah. So that this was obviously something that was more common. Mm-hmm. And these men were even regarded as as warriors. Right. But how is it that God destroys the Nephilim in the flood, but then there's more Nephilim after that? Because it does say in Genesis that the Nephilim were in the earth in those days and also afterward. Mm hmm. So how do the Nephilim come back into the picture if all of those fallen angels had been wiped out in the flood? Seems to me that the most likely explanation is going to be that these were human beings that were possessed by fallen angels. And you could still come up with something supernatural. You could come up with some kind of supernatural offspring Mm -hmm. as a result of that. Because, you know, we've heard stories about men and women who are demon possessed and they also possess superhuman feats. Mm, Consider the men, uh, the men at the Gadarenes who were possessed by Legion and they were haunting the tombs right. when they saw Jesus passing by and they went and approached him and said, what do you have to do with us? 
son of man, are you here to judge us before the appointed time? Mm hmm. And they were so feared by the people. They were chained and they would break their chains. Right. And and so these men, possessed by Legion, clearly possessed some superhuman abilities. Mm-hmm. So I think that you could have that as a result with human men who are possessed by demons that are taking women and having offspring with them and their offspring end up being something fallen and even somewhat supernatural. Yeah, I still don't know. I'm I'm just totally lost on this whole <laughs> thing. Like, I, I, I mean, it's a lot of speculation. It is, and that's why I'm so lost because I'm. I who am I to say that <laughs> this is not true or not accurate? But I mean, as far fetched as it sounds, sometimes it's like, well, I don't know the truth. Yeah. Until that veil comes up, you know. Jen Nesset said, I appreciate this perspective. I'm no expert, but the idea of demon possession makes some sense. The idea that fallen angels are capable of sex is interesting, but I always struggled with the idea that God would author that life. God is the author of life and that he breathed life into demon hybrids is foreign to me. Again, I'm no expert. What I know about demons from the Bible is they were able to possess a man and a boy and make them hurt themselves. Jesus sends the demons in the in the demoniac into a herd of pigs. There was also a spirit of divination that gave a woman information that she couldn't have known, which then gets cast out by the apostles. That was Paul and Philippi. Mm. It seems like demons inhabit humans more than mate with them in the Bible. So thank you for offering another take on the topic. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then Gary said, now this makes sense. A combination of the two. I never liked the angels mating with women story. I always thought the Bible taught to not intermarry with unbelievers because that creates havoc, etc., as you explained in the video. Not too shabby. I may have to look into this hybrid type viewpoint. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I may have to do a follow-up video on that sometime. Yeah, like a part two. <laughs> more yeah, on the I Nephilim. Could see, I could see that, yeah. Obviously, it's a, it's a subject of interest. More people are going to be talking about it in 2024. Yeah, already. We saw in 23, interest in cryptids ramp up, and you're just going to see that all the more in this next year. And amazingly, there was, like, not much for January last year. Yeah, last year. That's right. Yeah. So this year, they're there. We're already talking about, we're already talking about World War III uh, in what? January mm. this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was yesterday. That. Oh, okay. yeah. Good to know. <laughs> That's uh, that was a trending topic on Twitter. So here we are, All the right. start of another year, talking about World War Three. That was at Twix. The, Twix. That's right. That was at the start of twenty as well. So in two consecutive election years, mm. we're talking about yeah. World War Three at the start of the year. Well, you know, you gotta just amp them up. <laughs> you gotta get the fear rolling. Yeah, get them out of their homes so we can uh, we can get people. Enthused about voting for our candidate. Unless it's 2020 and then you get them in their homes. Yeah, <laughs> <Anyway>. yeah right. <laughs> okay, here we are with the number eight video of the year. Hang on a second. Eight. <laughs> Jesus and his apostles warned us, beware of false prophets. Now, we tend to think of false prophets as being fake Christians, but heathens have their prophets too. Just consider the false prophets of climate change. 
1972, the United Nations predicted we have 10 years to stop the catastrophe. Then when 1982 came along, instead of admitting they were wrong, Mustafa K. Tolba of the UN said that if things were not fixed by the year 2000, we would experience an environmental catastrophe as bad as any nuclear holocaust. In 1989, they doubled down, saying that by the end of the century, we would experience global disaster. Once those prophecies failed, the UN predicted the end of the world would be in 2012, then in 2020, then in 2030. In 2019, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said the world was going to end in 12 years, which was past the UN's prediction. Then some teenager from Sweden made global headlines when she said we only have eight years. These false prophets want to ban your cars, cows, stoves, power, farms, and families, and force you to get vaccinated and eat bugs and synthetic meat. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be found out. That's a climate change prediction that won't be wrong. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved when we understand the text. That's not going to be my only End Times video. Oh, yeah. There's another End Times video on this list as well. Okay. Firefire Pow said, wow, great video. Never thought of them as false prophets. Hmm. Mike Zeke said, earned yourself a ministry of truth bar. <laughs> <laughs> so, so certain topics that you talk about on YouTube, YouTube will go ahead and they'll put like a little bar under your video to give links to like, if you want to know more information about this, because they want to throw their own propaganda oh, in there. Of course, of course. Now, now, in a fit of irony, the link that they provided was to the predictions of the United Nations. Exactly what I was criticizing in the video. Oh. And so YouTube well, added. There you go. YouTube added to the bottom of that video. Go to the United Nations for more information. Check it out. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> I just called them out of that video. You go for it. See what other stupid nonsense they're coming up with. This this is such a it's a cult. The climate change hoax is such a cult. Well, it's so funny that they had that great big buildup into the the. 2000 year 2000 yeah like oh yeah that. and then they went and said um they spooked the other direction of oh well don't pay attention to that pay attention to your computers and all the electricity and everything's gonna go wrong <laughs> and it's gonna combust or whatever combust i think that there was uh it, the year 2000 was just such a great opportunity for all kinds of doomsayers. Oh my goodness. It was so bizarre. And everybody was like scared like around me. I remember it very clearly. I was only in high school. I had no you. concerns whatsoever. But I'm like, you you realize that we're not supposed to know when the <laughs> end of the days are. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, oh yeah. I was in my <laughs> I was in my freshman year of college, uh -huh. and me and my friend JC did a concert on New Year's Eve. Oh, there you 1999 go. 1999 into the year 2000, and uh, yeah, singing Bring Christian songs. In. We had we had fine. Yeah, we we did not expect that the end of the world was going to happen at midnight. You know why? Because midnight had already happened over in Australia, and we were still here. Yep. <laughs> That's precisely it. <laughs> it's always midnight somewhere else, folks. Yep. It's, it's never going to be. It's on this date. Well, it's it's never this day everywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just bizarre. It's always a different day somewhere. Uh, Mike Zeke. Yeah, that was the comment I read. Levi, people who reject God are all about fearing Mother Nature, and they don't mm -hmm. see the irony in that. Yeah, so true. 
one of the memes that I made that was uh, that was popular on Instagram was uh, your mother Earth is my heavenly father's footstool. (laughs) Nice. Your friendly neighborhood in (laughs) said God said the climate will be fine. Genesis 8:22 While the earth remains seed time and harvest cold and heat summer and winter day and night shall not cease. Amen. Very good point. From Hoopamon, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm a confirmed what and Gabe fan. Aww. This this video is great. I pass whatever litmus test of orthodoxy may exist, but I still don't think it's helpful to our purposes to call someone a brat. At 58 seconds in the video, Gabe, thank you for your good work that you do for the king. Now, in the <clears throat> excuse me, in the audio portion, as you heard my voice, I didn't use the word brat, but the text calls Greta Thunberg a brat. Oh, yeah. But a brat is a word for an unruly child, and that's exactly what she is. Mm. So, no, I stand by the term. <laughs> if, if somebody was going to be offended by brat, I would have just said an unruly child named Greta Thunberg. Yep. I mean, I can give you the definition of the word, but that is what she is. You I defined I, your terms. Exactly. <laughs> From SA25, what does. Uh, OK, I'm going to use the word vacation. Now, the reason why the reason why I don't want to use the exact word is because the last time we talked about this. YouTube flagged this podcast and removed it. Oh. So I'm going to use the word vacation. Okay. What does vacation have to do with climate change, right or wrong? It seemed to me a very random thing to drop in there. I appreciate the overall clip, though. A great highlight of a very spiritually dangerous issue, false prophecy. Well, the reason why I associated vacation with uh, climate change is because that's exactly what the climate change people are doing. Hmm. Uh, there's a guy who is the founder of Microsoft by the name of Gil Bates. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Once again, I got to be careful. Yep. Because you, be YouTube flags this audio. They're yep. looking for those things and they will remove it. Uh, so the Microsoft founder, Gil Bates, has said that uh, that we need to vacation the world mm-hmm. so that we can control the population. He said that. Uh. I even played the clip of him saying that. I didn't add any extra commentary. I just played the clip of him saying what he said about vacationing the world. Mm -hmm. And YouTube flagged it and had my video removed. Hmm. Just for quoting him. I quoted him. Yeah. How about that? (laughs) And I I mean, you know, and by quoting him, I mean, I played the audio of him saying it. (laughs) They didn't like that. No, I got removed. I got flagged and removed. So, yeah, that's why that's in the video. It's not trying to grab like random topics and kind of fit it in the same thing. They're doing that. Yeah. They're saying that to control the earth's climate, everybody has to vacation. Huh. So, so you said you say it in the video, would that be flagged? We'll find out. All right. <laughs> curious sir, curious sir. I'm not going to I'm not going to continue to dig into it to yeah. run the risk no, no. of it being it's flagged. It's good. It's good. I mean, the video as I made it, like I said, already we'll got the out. little Ministry of Truth bar underneath it, which yes. linked to the to the UN sources. Okay, here we go, so babe. Funny. You ready? Ready for the next one? Oh yeah. 7. Warning. The following video contains a picture of a dead deer. I'm just warning you because it looks tasty and might cause your mouth to water. Cabot Phillips of the Daily Wire posted a picture with his wife who had just killed a deer, followed by a picture of the deer's meat after butchering. A woman by the name of Fiona Moriarty, who has a show called Facts with Fiona, said this is the MAGA murder cult, brutally murdering innocent animals for clout and Instagram likes, demented savages, Jesus would never, hashtag fake Christians. 
Well, Fiona just doesn't know the facts. Luke 22, 7 to 8 says, Then came the first day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, so that we may eat it. Jesus ate lamb at Passover. Thousands of lambs would have been sacrificed that day. Jesus killed and ate fish with his disciples, even after his resurrection. See John 21, 1-14. In Acts 10, Peter saw a vision of all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the sky. And the voice of Jesus was heard saying, Rise up, Peter, slaughter and eat. Dining on animals is not murder, but the butchering of unborn children, that is murder. It happens by the thousands every day. 1 Timothy 4, 1-5 says that those who forbid the eating of certain foods are seared in conscience, teaching the doctrines of demons. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Thank God for good food when we understand the text. I like that video. I think that was one of my favorites from last year. Oh, yeah? I really did like that one. Uh, so Cabot Phillips who I mentioned in the video, he shared that video on his Instagram. Oh, cool. So I think a lot of the views that I got from that probably were because uh, Cabot Phillips shared it. Now, uh, like I said, Cabot Phillips is of the Daily Wire, and I then I threw the, the Daily Wire out uh, in the first video that I played on conservatism. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Claims to be conservative, but uh, not so much. Yeah. Anyway, comments on this vi- video. Wheeler said, I am a carnivore for Christ. Eat the meat. <laughs> carnivore for Christ. Dutch, a socialite, said, at this point, you don't even need to bring up abortion since Canada's fully willing to medically end lives by the fourth trimester and beyond. Mm. I think she means the third trimester because mm. you can't have four trimesters. It's a trimester. Yeah. There's only three. Um, uh, but yeah, it's exactly for that reason that I have to mention it. Yeah. That's why I mention it. Yep. So the gal that was criticizing Cabot Phillips is a liberal. She's totally for the butchering of babies, Mm -hmm. but says Christians are fake because they would eat deer meat. This person who goes by the name Great Ghastly says, I used to jokingly say there is only one good thing that came from the fall, eating meat. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) SO4JTV says, well done video, dear bro. Pun intended. Nice. (laughs) This is a great summed up video, Gabe, on this topic. So blessed by all your videos. We keep adding all your videos to a playlist. So far, we have 372 videos added to it of yours. Anyway, hi and hugs to you and Becky and of all you at your church. Keep looking up Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Amen. Thank you. Now, I think that SO4JTV stands for sold out for Jesus. I think that's what it stands for. Okay. They have been keeping a a mix lineup of all of our what videos since probably the first year that I was doing them. Oh, cool. Or, or ever since Todd Friel started playing them. We, it might okay. might have been since then. Uh-huh. And I don't know that I've ever given them recognition for that before. So I want to thank SO4JTV for that. We've got a running list of videos as well. And, you know, I've I've... Since I've learned how to use YouTube since then, right. <laughs> I've made other playlists and, you know, set them in, you know, here's all the videos about Jesus. Here's all the videos about marriage, things like that. Uh-huh. So I've figured out how to do that and I have them set up in categories too. But SO4JTV has always had that running mix list mm-hmm. of all the what videos. So cool. So thank you to them for doing that and uh, appreciate your encouragement of what we do. Yeah, amen. All right, babe, you ready for the next one? Okay. Here we go.
In Romans 16:1, the Apostle Paul says, Now I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a benefactor of many, and of myself as well. Now, many have taken this verse to say that Phoebe is described here as a deacon. After all, the word for servant can also be translated deacon. In fact, some translations do just that. Both the NIV and the NLT say, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Sincrea. But that same word is also used in Romans 15:8 for Christ, who has become a servant on behalf of the truth of God. It's the same Greek word for deacon. The word is also used in Romans 13:4 to describe the government, God's servant, for your good. So Paul is not saying Phoebe holds the office of deacon. She's a servant, but his naming of her is still a very high commendation. She was a godly woman who served the church. You don't need to hold an office in order to do that. The qualifications for deacons are given in 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. A deacon is to be a qualified man whose wife also must show herself to be a godly woman. But all men and women in the church are called to the work of ministry. And you don't have to be a pastor or a deacon in order to be a servant when we understand the text. That video was uploaded from Colorado. Oh, yeah. yeah we were in Colorado at the time that I, uh, that I posted that one online. Sola Scriptura said, thank you so much for covering this topic. This has recently come up in my life, and I can't believe what perfect timing this is. Aww. I deeply appreciate your honest and helpful videos. Praise the Lord for that. Well, as is said in the title of our church, Providence. <laughs> Jeremy B. said, this is absolutely correct. The word translated deacon by some is a very basic word that means servant. It can even mean a person who serves tables to serves another person in any way. Hmm. Jay Cornette says, clear, concise, and on the mark. Any woman or man that would somehow take offense to this valid argument denigrates Sister Phoebe and her work. She was interested in serving the saints of God, not busying herself with acquiring titles or some kind of position of authority. If she had been, she would not have been lauded by Brother Paul, and we wouldn't even know she existed. God exalts the humble. How exalting to be known throughout the history of Christianity for your wonderful works of service. Amen. That's a great point, Jay Cornette. Mako Bean says, a lot missed here. I lean towards agreeing that Phoebe was not a deacon and that women ought not to be deacons. But one, the fact that Phoebe could have been called a deacon in the sense of servant doesn't mean she necessarily was. And two, there are good arguments that the qualifications for deacons also include qualifications for female deacons, not wives of deacons. Unfortunately, this short video really didn't do anything to engage those arguments or even to inform people that they exist. So someone watching this video will likely eat it up, but they won't know that there are good conservative arguments for the opposing view, and they won't be able to conserve, uh, sorry, converse intelligently with someone who shows them those arguments. Well, this video was not an argument for why women can or cannot serve as deacons. It was an argument for how Phoebe's not a deacon. And I got to say, it's 90 seconds. Video. Yeah, it's a 90 second video. I I'm, mean, if you want a full conversation or <laughs> uh, a podcast, you know, <laughs> there's a commentary a that you can engage space with that. But that, that's not the purpose of the video. Right. The video was just responding to the argument that Phoebe was a deacon. That's that's it. Yeah. Now, if you want to have the conversation about what First Timothy three, eight through 13 says 
about deacons. And you have the section in there where it talks about women. And so some will will argue, well, that's not talking about the wives of deacons. It's talking about women, women who can become deacons or deaconesses. There are arguments for that. And there are people who would argue for that even from, you know, what we might say to be uh, our side of the tracks. John MacArthur, for example, Mm. has presented arguments for why women can be deacons. Okay. Jesse Johnson, who is, I think he's a graduate of masters or from the Expositor Seminary or something like that. But Jesse Johnson, who is a writer for the Cripple Gate, mm-hmm. he's been on with Todd Friel on Wretched. I heard an interview with him earlier this past year. Mm-hmm. Great guy. And I love Jesse's stuff and I recommend it. He's written an article in defense of women serving as deacons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, great. Agree to disagree, though. And this is one of those issues where we're probably going to create a dividing line. In fact, I would say that it is a dividing line as to whether women can or cannot be pastors. Short answer is no, they cannot be pastors. And if a church is putting women in the position of pastor, we're not going to fellowship with them in ministry because you're deliberately disobeying scripture and what scripture says about that. Right. With the argument regarding deacons, that's a little more open. I think that in the context in which Paul presents that in 1 Timothy 3... He's not arguing that women can be deacons Mm. and the presentation of women and the qualifications that they must have with regards to the office of deacon there in first Timothy three, that's in the context of them being the wives of deacons that are holding that specific office. Yes. So, but like I said, that doesn't necessarily have to be a dividing point for us. There have been churches that I've, I've partnered with in ministry that had women deacons, Mm -hmm. but that's not where I'm at. (laughs) <laughs> and most most Reformed Baptist churches don't. So anyway, all right, let's uh, let's go. Let's see, we're going to another video here. Now we're entering the top five. Awesome. So there's five videos. We got five more. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Five. <gasps> An accuser of the brethren who goes by Brian claims he has proof our dear brother Justin Peters is a false teacher full of nonsense. In this video, we're going to hear from Justin Peters in a brief clip describe what he thinks is absolute proof that cessationism is true. Let's hear what he has to say. If all of the sign gifts were still operative in the church today, there would be no debate about it. There would be no debate about it. Uh, The very fact that there is a debate as to whether or not these sign gifts continue is inherent proof that they haven't. See, what he just basically said there, was that the fact that there are people who disagree with me, that's proof in itself that I'm right. That's what Justin Peters just said. No, the point Justin made is very simple. If continuationism is true and the miraculous sign gifts for divine revelation are still regularly at work in the church today, then proving it should be really easy. You could end the debate by pointing to a genuine miracle like those seen in the book of Acts. Show one healing where a man lame from birth immediately received new legs and walked. Show one person who has raised the dead. Show one group of people miraculously speaking other languages they did not previously know. Show one modern prophet with a 100% track record of making miraculous predictions and they came true. It should be easy to produce these proofs, but you can't because the need for apostolic sign gifts has ceased. Instead, they debate about the continuation of miracles, which proves they don't have the proof. That was Justin's point whom Brian slandered, calling him a false teacher. As 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal when we understand the text. 
The first comment comes from Justin Peters. Aww. Gay brother, I had no idea you were doing this video. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for this, and I'm honored to co-labor with you in gospel work and call you my friend. Blessings to you and to your family, brother. Aww. Now, a fun little uh, tidbit about this video. I recorded it in Texas uh-huh. in October. Right. And I didn't finish it and publish it until November when we were in Arizona. <laughs> Arizona. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was working on it some time before, and then it just took me that long to finish it and, and get it posted. I think it was the first video I did in Arizona, now that I think about it. Hmm. Joe said, Brian is one of the worst liars. I've pointed out his errors, and when you back him into a corner, he stops responding. I've been called to repent for slander and scripture twisting. Uh, oh, sorry. He's been. <laughs> he's been called to repent for slander. <laughs> that changes it a little that's, bit. <laughs> that's right. Well, I can see I can see Brian probably saying that to oh, his oh, yeah, detractors. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So that's how I, re- I misread that. Yeah. Uh, he's been called to repent for slander and scripture twisting and should be ignored. Paul Visser, with a cell phone in every pocket and access to YouTube, it should be easy to document and publish genuine miracles when they occur. Sadly, many people don't want Christ. They just want his stuff. Yeah, that's true. That's the same argument we made about the Nephilim thing earlier, too. We got nine to ten foot shadow people walking around, but nobody's got a smartphone on them to be able to. That's what I was thinking. To capture these guys. (laughs) Kind of crazy. Chum Leslie. To those commenting that miracles still happen, cessationism does not mean God stopped doing miracles. It means the gifts of prophecy, healing, tongues have stopped. Also, tongues was never the gibberish we hear false prophets spouting today. It was real languages. Those gifted with it never spoke before, like at Pentecost, because God wanted the gospel to be preached to thousands and thousands who came from other nations. Very true. Crystal Garza, that guy needed to be put in his place, but I fear you've given him more of a platform to accuse and slander the brethren. God bless. You know, there's always kind of a difficult balance there because I generally try to avoid giving a platform to people who do stuff like that. For the longest time, I was not responding to Leighton Flowers for that reason. Yeah. I had suspicion that Leighton was engaging the people that he was because he was trying to build his platform. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there were a lot of people that were willing to give him that platform. Yeah. But then once his subscriptions and his YouTube views exceeded mine... Then when he challenged me to a debate, I accepted. He was challenging me to a debate long before that, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't accept it because I didn't want to give him the exposure. Yeah. But then once <laughs> once his audience exceeded mine, it was kind of like, okay, sure, I'll do it. Um, and, and that debate that we did, which was two years ago now, that was Wasn't Leighton that, that engaged that. Yeah, that recent. Yeah, it was two oh. years ago. Yep. Okay. 2022. That's correct. January of 22. Okay. Now he's uh, debating... James White on the same subject, John 6. Okay. And that debate's coming up in March. He debated me on John 6 because he continued to refuse to debate James White. <laughs> so now he's finally given in. <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe I was practice. It was like, <laughs> you were the warm up. <laughs> if I could debate Gabe, I can debate James White. He didn't debate me, though. He didn't. He just presented all of his, you know, jargon that he usually presents Mm -hmm. because like you'll watch one of his videos and he'll address the argument in like the first minute or two. Mm -hmm. And then there's 20 more minutes of the usual stuff that he always says. Ah. So that was what most of the debate was. He did not exegete uh, uh, John 6, which was the point of the debate, was an exposition of John 644. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So I exposited John 6 and he didn't. That's how that debate went. 
And in case you're unaware, John 6:44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so uh, James White and Leighton Flowers debating once again for the first time since their Romans 9 debate. And like I said, that's coming up March. March 9th, I believe, is the is the exact date on that uh, on that debate. Hmm. Where are we at here? Where are we at, babe? You think you can do it? Four. That's right. It's number four. Here we go. Eschatology is the study of last things, pertaining to death, judgment, and the final destiny of mankind. The term is often used in reference to the end times, Jesus Christ's second coming, the resurrection of the dead, the millennial kingdom, and so on. In biblical theology, there are two main views of eschatology, premillennialism and postmillennialism, but that's a lot of syllables, so we like to shorten it to premill and postmill. These two views differ on the timing of Christ's return in relation to the millennial kingdom described in Revelation 20. Satan will be bound and the dead in Christ will rise and reign with him for a thousand years. Will Jesus return at the start of that reign, the pre-mill view, or will he return at the end of that reign, the post-mill view? Pre-mills believe the millennium will be an actual literal kingdom on earth when Jesus sits on David's throne in Jerusalem. Postmills believe the millennial kingdom is right now, as Christ reigns on his throne in heaven, and those Christians who have died are reigning with him. These two views also have differing perspectives. Under premill is dispensationalism and historic premill. Dispensationalists believe Christ returns in a seven-year tribulation that precedes the millennium, while historic premills do not. Under postmill is amillennialism and classic postmill, which disagree on how Christianized the world will be prior to Christ's return. While these four perspectives disagree on some things, they all agree Jesus Christ will return to judge the living and the dead, and those who believe in him will also reign with him. We should not divide over this. The Bible says comfort one another with these words when we understand the text. So Alex uh, made this comment. I absolutely love that you encouraged us to comfort one another with these words. I thoroughly enjoy eschatology, but I find it frustrating at just how much infighting there is on this particular issue. I've certainly been sharpened and encouraged by your videos over the years. God bless you and your ministry. That person brings up a good point of, you know, it, we're so the Bible tells us to be comforting, but how many people are actually comforting one another with with their eschatology? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's usually a fight. Most of the time. Or now, argument. There are heretical views of end times. Strong disagreements. Yes, yeah, strong disagreements. <laughs> there are heretical views of the end times. I mean, people who deny that Jesus is going to come back the same way that he went. Yeah. As the angels said to the apostles in Acts 1. Mm-hmm. Or that will claim Jesus, like all of these things have already happened. Jesus returned. The dead in Christ rose. Right. Um, that's that's all taken place. Mm-hmm. Paul put people out of the church for saying that the resurrection had already taken place. Mm-hmm. So there are heretical views. There are wrong views of the end times. But because this is prophecy, there are we, we do need to be patient. We need to be kind to one another in the way that we engage these views. Sure. There are some, and I've even been in these churches before, that will strictly hold to their end times view. They will even make it a matter of membership. You can't yes. be a member here unless you have this end times view. Right. And that's that's a dividing point that I'm not willing to stand on when it comes to differing opinions on eschatology. Yeah, it's kind of like picking the day that Christ will come back. <laughs> yeah, that's also uh, if anybody claims to know the day that Jesus comes back, you can call them out on that, too, because they're lying. Yep. They don't know. Jesus said not even the son nor the angels know, but the father only. That's right. 
Next comment comes from Stargazer. Personally, I subscribe to Wait and Seeism. They all have <laughs> sections of scripture that they explain well and sections that they struggle with or don't address. The Jews had wildly different views of what the Messiah would look like, and a lot of them missed him when he came. I don't want to do the same myself, so I just focus on the fact that he's coming back and he said he was coming soon. Always be prepared. It is always interesting to hear the different views and contrast with each other, so long as the presenter is making steel men and not straw men. Mm. That's a great way to put it. Yes. Dank said... Keep up the good work, Gabe. I do think it's a tertiary issue, but it does affect the way that you live. Most pre-mills I've met want to hurry up at the destruction of the world. Want, yeah, want to hurry up the destruction of the world while post-mills are trying to slowly build up Christ's kingdom with a focus on long term. Hmm. So, yeah, it's true. Your eschatology yeah. does affect your approach to, I guess you could say, your sanctification or evangelism. Yeah. Things like that. This person, No Fear in Love, says, where can I find the chart that's in the video? I would love a hard copy of that. It comes from a pamphlet that's called Four Views of the End Times, mm -hmm. and it's put out by Rose Publishing. And Rose Publishing will do a lot of little short things that you can buy, like little booklets you can put in the front of your church mm -hmm. that address some different issues. I haven't read them all, so I'm not giving like a blanket endorsement of Rose Publishing. But that one's great, and I've used that one several times. Four mm -hmm. Views of the End Times. So you can find that chart in in their little pamphlet. You can probably order a bunch of them to put in the lobby or your church Yeah, if you wanted to do that. All right, here we go. We're, we're entering into the top three videos now. Woohoo! Three big videos of the year, babe. You ready? Yes. Three. In the seventh episode of The Chosen, the show reimagined the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus as found in John 3. This is where it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is such a well-known gospel verse that show creator Dallas Jenkins wanted to be accurate. There's a great weight and responsibility when it comes to shooting this scene almost more than any other scene we shoot. And so we really wanted to get it right. But if you compare the scene with John 3, 1 through 18, you'll see the two conversations are quite different. Even the setting has changed. Lines have been added and moved around so that when Jesus gets to the words of John 3, 16, they have an altogether different context. At one point, Nicodemus asks, is the kingdom of God really coming? And Jesus says, what does your heart tell you? What is this, Disney? At the end of the scene, Nicodemus bows before Jesus to confess he is the Christ. But Jesus says, what are you doing? You don't have to do that. Everyone has to do that. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When the Chosen was confronted about this, they said, did it happen? We don't know, but it's very on brand. What? When did Jesus ever tell anyone they don't have to bow? This response is a great slogan for their show. Did it happen? We don't know. Let's see them put that on a t-shirt. One of the shirts they sell has this line from their Jesus, get used to different. Ironic, since this is a different Christ than the Christ of the Bible. Accept no substitutes when we understand the text. Uh, and I guess I can go ahead and say here the top three videos of the year all have to do with The Chosen. Oh, thanks for the warning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so didn't the devil say that, you know, to Eve? Did yeah, God did God really, really say? say? Yep, yep. Yeah. Exactly same kind of thing. That's the truth. Did it happen? We don't know. <laughs> I know you don't know. <laughs> I've seen your show. <laughs> Live for Christ Forever said, Thank you, Pastor Gabe, for helping to expose this heresy. I hope you and your family are getting settled into your new church. Aww. Blessings. Yes, we love it here. 
are doing quite Definitely. well. John Hester said, Chris Roseborough described the series as fan fiction, and I believe he's right. I've watched the first two seasons and the first two episodes of season three. They added so much to the story. Dallas Jenkins told Ali Beth Stuckey that 95% of what's shown is not in the Bible. That is a major red flag. What will happen when people read the Bible and find a completely different Jesus? We can't have an anything goes mentality when it comes to how to present God's word. Glenn Aleo said, it was so sad. I used to recommend this series to my youth group, mm. but when I personally noticed some biblical errors, and thanks to your channel, what, for confirming and guiding, mm. we stopped watching it. This series wastes the money of people around the world by leading them to a different Jesus, a different gospel, and a different faith. And that's an aspect of The Chosen that a lot of people don't talk about. Yeah. This, is, this is just like what the prosperity preachers do. Yep. And they claim, you donate to us. And we'll make more ear-tickling content for you to mm -hmm. watch. Yeah. This, this ecumenical Jesus that they present. And it's, it's the same sort of bait and switch that the prosperity people do. Yeah. They are making millions off of this show. Yeah. Dallas Jenkins is making bank off of The Chosen. He's going to become as, as rich as any Benny Hinn. Disney. Uh, yeah, follow Disney. Right, right. Yeah, follow your heart. Just, just follow your heart. Like, like a, De a, a Denny Hen, a Benny Hen, <laughs> or a Joyce Meyer, or a TD Jakes. Uh, I mean, these con people that con you out of your money. Yep. And that's exactly yeah. what The Chosen is doing. It's yes. a fan-supported show. This isn't just a making content sort of a thing, and then you can go to the theater and watch it. They are, they're, they're putting out like, hey, donate to our ministry, and you're helping to spread the message of Jesus around the really? world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they oh. This is a fan-supported show. By fan-supported, I thought you meant like they, they watch, and so they like make money off of you watching. No, but no, no. It's fan-supported. And, oh. and they've also signed a multi-million dollar contract with Lionsgate, who's distributing the show, uh. so they get money from the studio, yeah. and yet they're still asking the fans to donate to this series. Oh, man. They're Yikes. making a lot of money off of this. Yikes. Julia Flanagan said, thank you. Like you said, the series is leading people to a false Jesus, and they will face him one day to give account for their actions. If someone was in a life-threatening car accident, would you lead them or take them to a false hospital that had no power to save them? Yeah, really. Anara Belk, I think I'm pronouncing that right. People that watch this show but see Jonathan Rumi's face in their prayers. That's a second commandment violation. See, that that's something I don't, people just don't consider this. You watch so much The Chosen that you're used to Jesus looking like Jonathan Rumi. When you pray, whose face do you see in your mind? Hmm. Do you see Jonathan Rumi? How certain are you when you pray that you're not praying to a likeness of Jonathan Rumi? Yeah. If you're, if you're so consistently watching the show that that's the picture of Jesus that you have in your head now. He looks like Jonathan Rumi. See, I'm not a 2CV guy. I don't I just automatically say that images and pictures of Jesus are violations of the second commandment because Isaiah 53 does describe his appearance. Mm -hmm. And we, we understand right. that he did look like a man. Yeah. So I haven't said that it's a second commandment violation, but I do take the position that it's extremely unwise. While I wouldn't say that you're disobeying the second commandment, it's still a matter of wisdom mm -hmm. as to whether or not you should have images of Jesus because we're so weak in our flesh yes. that we're likely to either worship the image like you see happen in Catholic and Orthodox churches yeah. or, uh, or, or you're going to picture that in your head whenever you're praying. Mm -hmm. 
And then are you sure in the weakness of your flesh that that's not the likeness that you're praying to, that you're truly praying to Christ? Mm -hmm. So I think the, the Puritans were wise in that in their worship services, there was no iconography of any kind. Mm -hmm. They didn't even have crucifixes in their worship services because they did not want there to be a risk of somebody looking at something that they would affix themselves to and pray to that, mm -hmm. understanding the weakness of the human heart. Yeah. So anyway, I, and like I said, that's just something I don't think many people are considering that when they're watching the show. They just they don't understand the risks. Yeah. And and I mean, like, it goes a little bit further than that, too, because not only are they picturing, possibly picturing Jonathan Rumi as Jesus and, and praying to that, um, his his physique or whatever you call it, his 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 likeness likeness. There we go. <laughs> But they're they're all, his physique. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, I know, I got it, I got it. Okay. It's it's just it's still funny though. Okay, well, sorry. But anyway, <laughs> that wasn't meant to be funny. But um, but also like just the way he is in the show. So then that oh yeah then then that you know impedes on your your thoughts of how you're going to pray to Jesus this right. Jesus. Not the true Jesus of the Bible, but this Jesus. His mannerisms. Know? Yeah. I, I mean, he is giving an interpretation to Jesus' words when he speaks yes, them. Yes, definitely. And speaks them not as a pastor speaks them, but he's mm -hmm. speaking them as as a depiction of Christ. Right. He's saying, this is how Jesus said this. Right. So, I mean, like, it infuses everything into not just his likeness, if you will, but yeah. but also his his attitude, his personality, his his you know, way of speaking. I mean, right. you know, some people are more audible than others, but you know what I mean? Like it just, it really affects all the way around of how your prayer life will be. Yeah. And Jonathan Rumi is one of the faces that the hollow app, which is a Catholic app. Mm -hmm. He's one of the faces they use to sell their app. Which, by the way, I happen to catch, I watched a, a, a video entry from Matt Walsh, who's with the Daily Wire, because he was talking about a current event in the news that happened this past week. Mm -hmm. So I was watching his video, and he will interrupt his talk in his videos to push the Hollow app. Oh. And he even says, cast members of The Chosen will pray with you through the through the app and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, it's, this stuff is everywhere. No, thank you. And inc incidentally, uh, there was a situation that happened earlier this year with Jeremy Boring of the Daily Wire, one of the CEOs of the Daily Wire. Okay. I think he is the CEO of the Daily Wire. Anyway, he made this huge defense of The Chosen. I think John Root got fired or let go by the Daily Wire or something like that. The, the Daily Wire would no longer partner with him because he was calling out the stuff that was happening with The Chosen. Mm -hmm. And now that you see that there's members of The Chosen that are in The Daily Wire's advertising, yeah. suddenly it makes a lot of sense yeah. why Jeremy Boring was throwing those people under the bus. Yep. yep. There it is. Everything comes to light. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. John made this comment, was there anything in this video that actually talked about how The Chosen messed up John 3.16? <laughs> because all the issues pointed, uh, pointed out have nothing to do with the verse. They're just about the Nicodemus passage or as, uh, uh, as a whole or other verses in that passage. No, I made the point in the video that so much of the text of John 3 is changed, added to, subtracted from, moved around, so that when you actually get to Jesus quoting John 3.16, it has an altogether different context mm -hmm. than John 3.16 that you have in the Bible. So even yeah. if he quotes it word for word, the way that verse is set has a different meaning to it. Right. And not just yes. in the... 
part of the context. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Not just in the conversation that he has with Nicodemus, mm-hmm. but in the context of the show, yeah. it has an altogether different meaning. Yep. So I said that in the video, but I really did make that video to emphasize the thing of, you know, Jesus trying to discourage Nicodemus from bowing to him because mm. that was just blasphemous. Yeah. The way that yes. they portrayed Jesus saying that. Gary G says, so many people are so critical of those out there doing it and spreading the gospel and making him known. May I ask this? What are you doing? What are you doing to put yourself out there for critics to bash and drag through the mud? How are you exposing yourself as a follower of Christ? Well, I just made a video. Uh, You know, (laughs) just a little. I have uh, 2,075 episodes of a podcast. Uh, You know, uh, let's see, I'm a pastor. pastor. I go out and do evangelism. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> talk to people in the community. Even my daughter was with me when we shared with uh, the homeless in our community and and had a guy, you know, flat t- turn us down, say, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. You know, my daughter was with me for that. She went out this last year to a Muslim community in Houston. Yeah. And witnessed to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're doing plenty of things. So so this is a, you know, comments like that are definitely like, they're, they're not really interested in knowing what we're doing. No. He's hedging his bets and thinking, you're not doing anything but just making videos, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But making a video is, <laughs> that's already a response to his, his I mean, jab. It's in the top three. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing to put yourself out there? Well, I made this video. So, yeah. It kind I've of watched a few times. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, this this person whose name was Smacker Indignity. Smacker. <laughs> he says, what? When are you going to do a Mystery Science Theater 3000-esque episode of, oh my goodness. Uh, of each of these episodes of The Chosen? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> you want to do that with me, no. babe? No. <laughs> No, it won't work. For me. No, no, no. Uh, what, what's preventing me from doing that is time. I don't have the time. Yeah. But it would be fun. I think I could round up a couple of friends. We could be like Mike and the robots totally, doing yes. that. <laughs> MST3K on. Uh, oh, my goodness. That's right. Okay, here we go, babe. Okay. The next chosen video. Okay. Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> now with more enthusiasm. All right. I'm just kidding. Here we go. Jonathan Rumi is a Catholic mystic famous for playing Jesus in the hit streaming show The Chosen and hippie Lonnie Frisbee in the film Jesus Revolution. Frisbee was a self-proclaimed prophet in the 60s and 70s during what was called the Jesus Movement in America. What the movie doesn't cover is that he was also a homosexual who died of AIDS. Listen to what Rumi said in an interview about how he prepared for the part. Before I started work, I went over to Christ Cathedral and uh, I sat by his grave and I prayed a rosary with him. The space just to his right is empty. So I got to sit down or lie. At one point, I even lied down because I just thought it would be kind of interesting to try to connect in some way. And I said, Lonnie, I want to honor you with this film. And I really want to um, bring justice and, and, you know, the testament to the gifts of God's grace and powers that you displayed while you were on this earth. And so if this is a good idea that I do this film, have somebody give me a sign. Give me a sign. Have God give me a sign. And the minute the words left my mouth, behind me, there was a door open to the cathedral. And this giant chord rang out for about five seconds. So I heard that and I was like, okay, 
Thanks for that. (laughs) God's law says there shall not be found among you anyone who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to Yahweh. Galatians 5.20 and Revelation call this sorcery and say such persons will not inherit the kingdom of God. Isaiah 8.19 says, When they say to you, Inquire of the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. Their hearts are full of darkness and not the light of Christ when we understand the text. Aniala's response to that video, she says, excellent verses for evangelizing to Catholics. Ah, yes. <laughs> Cynthia Hunter said, yes, which is why Catholics should not pray to marry or dead saints. The practice mm-hmm. is diametrically opposed to scripture. So those two top comments really made the connection to, you know, Roman Catholicism. Of course, yeah. Jonathan Rumi is a Roman Catholic. Cynthia also said. And apparently a grave robber sucker oh yeah yeah grave sucking yeah okay uh which is the that's the practice that um bethel church does oh yeah 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 so he's looking for blessing from so creepy from this guy yeah (laughs) lonnie frisbee it's disturbing so cynthia also said hi just today i heard two preachers say that frisbee repented of his homosexuality later in life now, I've heard this, too, but from what I was able to tell, those who originated this claim had something to gain from making it. Mm. So I don't know That's how sad. I don't know how trustworthy it is. We can certainly hope it's true. Yes, that Frisbee had definitely. repented before he died. Mm-hmm. Indeed, I hope he was he was forgiven of his sins. But since we don't know because his repentance was not a public declaration, no one should lift him up as some kind of hero of the faith. Right. He was a liar. During his whole evangelistic ministry, he was living in the abominable passions of his flesh. Mm-hmm. No matter how much of a role he played in the life of Chuck Smith and in uh, Greg Laurie mm-hmm. of the Calvary Chapel movement, nobody should have anything to do with presenting, you know, or exalting or platforming that name Lonnie Frisbee. Mm-hmm. Eternity in our heart says, if my choice is between watching The Chosen or Jesus Revolution versus whatever is popular on Netflix... I'm going with the former in terms of entertainment. While I do wish the theology of those making those movies were better, this is the best that we got right now. Hopefully the culture of the church will change so that Christians making movies have better theology, and hopefully those that do have good theology will start making good movies instead of just complaining about it. Or (laughs) Christians actually make the movies versus non-Christians claiming they're Christians. Yeah, well, The the Chosen is being made by non-Christians. I know. So I'm saying. But she said... He, he, she. Eternity in our hearts. I don't know if it's a he or she. Yeah. That person. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Said that, you know, that Christians, you know, hopefully they'll make better content. They're not Christians. Yeah. These, these people are not Christians that are making this content. Right. Jesus revolution. I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say Greg Laurie is not a Christian, but nonetheless, Jonathan Rumi is clearly not. Mm -hmm. So, but you take that. You take the way that eternity in our hearts kind of applied that argument. Apply it to something else. You got you have pagans who will worship the sun and the moon. Mm-hmm. We're just doing the best with what we have. Yeah. You know, with some things with regards to entertainment, if you want to watch it, fine. If not, then don't watch it. If it's a conviction to you, if you don't think that you can engage in this with a clear conscience, 
then don't watch it. Mm -hmm. But don't use this attitude of like, well, this is just the best of what we got, so we need to watch it. No, you don't need to watch it. Right. You can turn the TV off and throw it away and have nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. Nobody needs to watch anything. school. Yeah, right. Read a book. (laughs) Read your Bible. Yes. Or go go out and play something. I mean, you, you don't have to watch any TV shows or any movies. Mm-hmm. So it's stupid to say, well, this is the best entertainment we got. So this is what. No, don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't support it at all. James Gowan, friend of ours in uh, Lindale. Oh, yeah. He says, I was very close to watching The Chosen, but I just never did. I have a friend who went on and on about it, but something seems so off that we didn't end up investing in it. Then I heard about not watching from people in my local church, wink, wink. (laughs) And I just decided then and there to skip it. Thanks for also talking about the movie. I will skip that too. Awesome. Appreciate you, James. Yeah. Love to you and your family. Cephas said, Pastor Gay, when will you be making and uploading a 90 second what video about revival and what has happened at Hughes, pun intended, auditorium in (laughs) Asbury University, Wilmore, Kentucky, about a month ago. At, at the time of this comment, it had been a month. Uh-huh. I really look forward to that very much from you. Thanks. Yeah, the reason why I never did do a video on Asbury is because I was kind of waiting to see what was going to happen after all that was over, mm-hmm. see if there were some other things that we could grab and kind of pull into one video. Yeah. And then by that point, it was just kind of old news, and yeah. I ended up never doing anything on it. But maybe when we get to the one-year anniversary of the whole Asbury revival, maybe then I'll... Sure. I'll do a what video on it because we're now we're beyond it. So we can talk about. Right. Was it was it good or bad? What became of this thing? The reflection. So Zachary has a good question following this video with uh, Jonathan Rumi. I have a question. If we're not to communicate with the dead, is it okay to talk to dead people you miss? For example, my dad is deceased. If I were to think about him, is it sinful to, to think, hey, dad, I miss you. I can't wait to see you in heaven. Is that okay? Of course, I would not ask my dad to forgive a sin or something like that. Yeah. Now, I feel for you, brother. I'm sure that's hard. Yeah. I've not lost my dad yet. Both both our parents are still alive. Mm-hmm. Becky's mom and dad are still here. My mom and dad are still here. So I don't know what this is like, at least as far as losing somebody that I'm that close to. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's hard. And I'm sure there's that, that yearning desire if I could just have one more moment with him. Yeah. You know, if I could just sit down and talk with him. But that's still communicating with the dead. Hmm. If even if you just say like, dad, I miss you and and whatever. Else. I, I mean, you can say it in kind of a, I guess, a platitude. I miss my dad. Yeah, I miss my dad. You know, it's not said in such a way that you think he's going to hear you because the reality of it is that he doesn't. Right. Doesn't matter whether the person that you love who is deceased has gone to heaven or gone to hell. They can't hear you. Mm-hmm. They're not paying attention to the things that are happening in this world. They're glorifying in Christ around the throne yeah. for those that have gone to join him in glory. So we'll we'll be with them again when we're rejoicing in Christ together. Mm-hmm. But as for now, you can't say anything that he hears, and he's not going to respond to you in any way. So there's no sense in trying. But if you do insist on it, then you're going against what Scripture says. We can't communicate with the dead. So simply, instead of in that yearning of your heart, want to speak to your father and end up speaking to your father who can't hear you anyway, take those thoughts, that ache that you have in your heart and give it to Christ. Mm-hmm. Turn to Christ and say, God, I just really miss my dad. Yeah. And it, it is, it's breaking me up that I can't be with him and have one more conversation with him. 
And I know that's hard, but it serves you no good. And mm-hmm. it certainly your father's not hearing it if you're saying things even to the air just to say, yeah. Dad, I miss you or whatever. And it, it really pulls your focus to that relationship versus like um, you you can do it Gabe said and, and redirect it to God in a prayer. And then that'll pull you closer to Christ. Yes, right. So Yeah, that ache draws you closer to the Lord. Yeah. Who's really going to be the only one that is going to satisfy that hurt Mm -hmm. because you are reminded that in Christ, we have victory over death. Amen. That the grave is not our final resting place. Yeah. You are reminded that your dad does live on. He lives on with the Lord Mm -hmm. if he loved Christ. And And that even becomes a motivator for you now, not only to grow in Christ, to share Christ with your family, to share Christ with others Mm -hmm. so that they would come to know the Lord and likewise live forever in glory. Like the old Michael W. Smith song goes, friends are friends forever if the Lord's the Lord of them. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be in glory forever with Christ. Amen. All right, here we go, babe. It is the big finale. Uh, So now I got to do the long music bed. Okay. It's the big finale. We got to do the long one. Here we go. Everybody dance. What? <laughs> I love that we did not plan that at all. Nope, it not just, at all. It just came together. <laughs> Here we go. Number one video of the year. What? The popular TV show The Chosen shared a behind-the-scenes look at the filming of season four, and right there in the shot, someone propped up a gay pride flag. When asked about it, The Chosen responded, Just like with our hundreds of cast and crew who have different beliefs or no belief at all, we will work with anyone who helps us portray or honor the authentic Jesus. Portray or honor the authentic Jesus, huh? Actor Giovanni Cairo, who plays the disciple Thaddeus, posted a pride flag and said, We stand with our brother. Jordan Ross, who plays the disciple James, said that he stands by the LGBTQ members of our chosen family and called criticism of the pride flag hateful and unlike Jesus. Altogether, half of the actors who play disciples of Jesus came out as LGBTQ affirming, and Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus, has supported the gay pride movement for some time. One of the show's cameramen is Daniel Fritz, who claims to be married to a man. He is often wearing a pride flag and putting them on set. On his Instagram and TikTok, he shared nude photos of himself. This is who Dallas Jenkins hired to film his crowdfunded Jesus show? These men do not portray or honor the authentic Jesus. In Matthew 19, Jesus said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? Apparently the cast and crew of The Chosen haven't read. The real Jesus said sexual immorality and pride are evil, and unless you repent, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you when we understand the text. Now, that version of that video is Mm -hmm. extended. It's different than the one that I originally published. Okay. Which was in June. I published that one in June. Pride flag thing kind of went with Pride Month. Yeah. So the original version was published in June. So we added the part where it says that Jonathan Rumi was also LGBTQ affirming. That was not in the original version of that video. Okay. That was something that was discovered on Facebook later. And it went back to like 2019 or something like that. Ah. So uh, and then I also had to change the music bed because YouTube had flagged it for copyright. Oh, so commercials were playing at the beginning of that video. And guess which commercials YouTube was playing at the beginning Uh. of that video? 
they were advertising The Chosen. How about that? Then there were people that alerted me to that in the comments. That was beyond my ability to do anything with that video. I will not put ads on my videos. Nope. And so that was YouTube doing that. I had no control over that. And it was because that you that music bed that I was originally using was copyrighted. So I had to change the music bed. Mm-hmm. Now, when we play, you know, this and when I do the top 10 countdown, when I put all the videos together in the one video, uh-huh. like here are the top videos of 2023. Yeah. Now it won't be flagged because it'll have a it'll have a different music bed on it. There you go. But this Problem person solved. Yeah, that's right. Usupian says, thank you. A lot of Christians need to see this. Many in my church love this show. I've not seen it from when I was first told about it. I just sensed that there was something fishy about it. Eh. Lion of Fire Ministries. I spoke on this. I don't get why people don't see the problems here. It's not about whether diverse employees can work on the set, but about having no workplace standards, which prohibit this being shoved in their faces. Also, then allowing it to go out to the public in a promotional video, then not apologizing or taking the video down, but rather doubling down. There was no discernment at all from this show in the way this matter was handled. Yeah, that's your fan bucks at work. This uh, this fellow John says, if someone worked for me and I found out that he was posting nude photos of himself on social media, I'd fire him regardless of his orientation. This is very sad. I wanted to give these people a chance, but I I don't think I can anymore. They've shown where their hearts truly belong. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely right. This person, God's truth for you. Thank you for your work. I know Dallas and I have interacted with him for years before he blew up in fame. Dallas Jenkins, once again, is the director and creator of this show. Oh, okay. I can assure you he promotes Richard Rohr, a universalist who promotes the Enneagram, wrote the Universal Christ, and said in the intro of the book, my dog Venus is Christ to me. Dallas also pushes a poor grasp on repentance and argues the writings of Christ and Paul are different. There's plenty of problems here. We are now starting to see the fruit become obvious. Yeah, and I know that comment sounds subjective. It's like, well, he's sharing his opinion without Dallas. Well, the reason why I... Uh, included that comment is because I've interacted with Dallas Mm -hmm. and I've seen enough videos from him that everything that he said there about Dallas is true. Hmm. I had asked Dallas, tell me what the gospel is. And he couldn't tell me. And this was before the chosen was made. This was when I was critiquing his film, the resurrection of Gavin stone. And he saw my review and he contacted me. And when we were interacting about it, like I told him the gospel is not in your film. And he insisted that it was, Mm. there's no presentation of the gospel whatsoever. So bizarre. Yeah. So he's uh, he is what God's truth for you is saying about him. That's definitely true. And then you watch enough videos of him. You know, Justin and I did the interview uh, with each other back in September. Justin Peters. Yeah. Justin Peters. Okay. And Justin played the clips of Dallas giving affirmation to Mormonism nah. that Mormons are our brothers in Christ. Jenkins is really messed up. He's really messed up on his doctrine. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that should not be having the platform that he is. And the Christ that he's pushing is not the Christ of the Bible. Here comes Granny says the saddest part to me is how his supporters had his back all through the making of his series. But now he says he more or less could care less what any of us feel about his decisions or opinions about the controversy. Yep. He was very arrogant and seemed rebellious against his supporters who are sincerely upset about this. Alexander said, 
and then Ruslan KD just excuses it to all of his young, impressionable followers, saying they're not a ministry, so they don't have a standard to uphold like a ministry would. Mm. Sorry, this is a literal show portraying and depicting the life of our Lord and Savior. How is it not a ministry? Why wouldn't you want it to be taken seriously? These types infuriate me often. Yeah, and there were other comments under that video that were talking about how Ruslan KD put this in res- in perspective and all this stuff. I don't like the stuff that Ruslan pushes with regards to The Chosen. Ignore Ruslan KD. He's a very, very popular YouTuber. He gets way more views than I get. But he, uh, the stuff that I've seen that comes from him is so questionable. I cannot recommend him hmm. as a YouTube channel. Yeah, and I haven't watched a lot of videos, but like I said, the stuff that does come across my way is always problematic. Yeah. So beware of his stuff. Zachary said, I'm a Christian and this made me cringe. The only person in my church who doesn't care for the chosen, but I just didn't like that it wasn't biblical or entertaining. There, I said it. (laughs) Yeah, I have to agree with you. And I said this with Justin as well. This is not that well made a show. Yeah. I mean, as much a as much a big deal as Christians make about this, Christians are easily entertained. Oh, yeah, for sure. They were easily entertained by the Bible miniseries on the History Channel yep. 10 years before that. Yeah. Which I have to say was probably worse in quality than The Chosen. Yeah. But, but it just goes to show it just goes to show whatever Jesus show comes out next decade when we get to the 2030s. Yeah. We're going to go through this again. In another yep. 10 years, we'll go through it all over again. Yep. And it will be the same sort of trash. It will be a, a very popular Jesus because it's an ecumenical Jesus, not the Christ of the Bible. Yeah. And everybody will love it and everybody will say it's great. And, oh, it's changed my life. And look at how many people are coming to Christ because of this. And it's it's just not true. And, and the, the entertainment value is always subpar. Mm-hmm. When Dallas Jenkins did his interview with Ali Bestucky, he made a comment that was something like, I didn't want to do Christian films because I thought they were all terrible. And I felt God saying to me, well, that's why you need to make them. No, sorry. You're still producing trash. Yeah. It's just as bad as the it's worse. In fact, I would say than the mediocre uh, Christian entertainment, like the stuff you find on pure flicks and things like that. Uh, Zachary goes on to say that said, I have to confess something. I have two gay cousins. One has been married to a guy, but they are now divorced, as much as those words can apply to that sort of thing. They're my family, but I still love them. Do I agree with their sexuality? No, but that doesn't change my love for them. Also, my cousin's ex was an agnostic, and I got to tell him a little bit about the Bible here and there. While I'm not conflicted on whether the Bible is for or against gay marriage, it is clearly against it. I am conflicted when it comes to reacting to it. I try to have a hate the sin, not the sinner view, but I'm not sure that's that's not exactly biblical. Anyone else in this boat? What are your thoughts? Well, you treat them like unbelievers. Yeah. Just like you would encounter a professing gay man on a sidewalk. How are you going to share the gospel with him? And it's the same with members of your family. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's more of a personal connection. You know this person on a more intimate level. Right. But uh, but it's nonetheless the same. You are not a believer. You're not a Christian. Yeah. You're going to hell. Yeah. If you continue in the sin that you're in and you have to tell them the judgment of God is coming against these things. And if it helps, they're going to treat you as if you were a person on the street coming up to them. Yeah, probably. So if you have to tell them, if you don't repent of this, you're going to burn forever. Mm -hmm. And I love you enough to tell you, don't continue in this sin. Repent and turn to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And don't call them married. They're not married. No. You know, like I said, it's as much as those words can apply. those, Those words have really been twisted in our culture 
two men are not married to one another. It's not a marriage. That's right. That man is not his husband. Yeah. He he is his sodomite partner is what he is. Yeah. I mean, you got to keep those things in mind. It's gross to think about, but that's you got to you got to remember your gag reflex when it (laughs) (laughs) when it comes to this. This stuff is repugnant. Don't normalize it. Right. Don't treat it like it's normal. Right. You have to tell them. You don't want to be a jerk about it, but you have to tell them. Don't get comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. This is sin that God has promised he will judge. You need to repent and turn to Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, this next person, SSZ, uh, he provides another comment that I think goes good with what Zachary just said. He says, this is so disappointing. I came to Jesus just a few months ago after over 20 years of unbelief. I dove in head first. A friend recommended this show. And I am almost done with season two, and I had even donated to season four. I read and studied Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I'm in the middle of John. Jesus makes it pretty clear homosexuals will not enter the kingdom. I don't understand how this show, which I thought was great, not only allows but promotes and defends degenerate behavior. Loving the sinner and hating the sin is not defending abhorrent behavior. It's loving the sinner enough to not accept his sin. Amen. So that's very perceptive from somebody yes. who's a who's a new believer. Yes. You can't be accepting of the sin. And notice here that that this fellow does not go with you know the usual cultural uh, uh, arguments of oh, well Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. Right. He says I read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'm in the middle of John, and Jesus makes it clear yeah. homosexuals will not enter the kingdom. Yeah. Jesus makes that clear. Yes, because anytime he talks about how the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. That is including homosexuals. This guy picked up on that. Yeah. But of course, the worldly will try to say no, because the word homosexual doesn't appear. So Jesus never addressed homosexuality. Yeah. That will be the the argument that the world makes. But that's the Holy Spirit revealing that. Booga Chomper. That's the, that's the name. Booga Chomper. Okay. <laughs> Your rebuke is based on ad hominem. From 22 to 32... Shows this clearly. You haven't shown that they haven't portrayed the authentic Jesus in the published show. You're just rebuking them for their beliefs outside or beside the show. How can you see? I I don't know. But how can you see what they're doing (laughs) even outside the show and have any confidence that they are actually portraying the authentic Christ? I mean, I've shown from my other videos that they're not portraying the authentic Christ. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. But anyway, uh, I skipped another comment here. Vero Beach. I wonder if the cameraman was positioned there in order to hear God's truth on a daily basis. Wouldn't it be something if he received salvation instead of the reaction of how the Pharisees used to judge? So this person's calling me a Pharisee. Right. That's not what's happening with this cameraman. Nope. This cameraman believes that he's completely justified in his sin. Yes. I'm getting to work on this Jesus show, and I'm surrounded by all these Christians who say that I'm just fine. You heard six of the actors who play the disciples. Yep. Half of the disciples come out and side with who they called their brother mm-hmm. and yeah. defend the guy that is in in openly rebellious sin that God judged with fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, I don't. Uh, He's not hearing the gospel. He feels completely justified in his sin. Yeah. This next person. It would be nice, though, if he did come to repentance. Absolutely. But it's going to come. But he's not going to hear the gospel there. Yeah, not on the set. It's going to come through the testimony of somebody else. Yep. M3 Max said this video is sitting on 665 thumbs up. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> like it. <laughs> it's just a number. It's actually well over a thousand likes now by this point. So 
<laughs> so somebody had to be that 660. person. Somebody had person. to be that guy. That's right. <laughs> That's really funny. I, I had found that comment in the comment section. I thought I'd That's share that hilarious. one. Maui Howie. What a great name. No, yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, they were throwing hints towards supporting sodomy in season three as well. It's true. They had one of the women characters in the show say, love is love. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, so they're they're fully LGBTQ affirming. That is a line that was written by Dallas Jenkins. Well, it wasn't in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, the Bible doesn't say things that stupid. <laughs> so Maui Howie goes on. Oh, well, we are not here to help the many, but the few. Most people hate God, and those people will most likely burn. We aren't here to force proud people to repent, but to help those humble enough to do so. Mm. And I, Mr. I don't know. I was pretty proud before I got saved. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> well, yeah, God breaks exactly. down that pride. If, if you're humble enough to come to the Lord, to recognize your sin. Yeah. I mean, that's humility. He's breaking down the pride walls. Oh, man. Mr. Unknown says, thank you, what, for speaking the truth as always. People need to hear it. And that's, I think, as good a comment as any to end on. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you watching what videos. We had over a million views on our videos what? in 2023. That's yep. awesome. That's the only numbers that I will let him say to me, by the way. <laughs> what the video watch, the general video watch views. Uh-huh. She'll listen to those numbers, yep. but I, I can't nope, tell nope, her. Nope, nope. Shh, shh, can't tell her how many people shh, are listening to the podcast. Nope. Nobody's listening, babe. It's just you and me. You and me. Just yeah. talking right here. That's and then, it. You know. A few friends who say, hey, I listened. Yeah. Great. Thanks. <laughs> Wait. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Thank you, audience. Thank you, our live studio audience. That's right here. <laughs> All right. Let's finish with prayer. Yes. Looking let's. forward to this new year, 2024. Mm-hmm. Hope that uh, we'll be able to do many more great videos for you. And look for the uh, the what video now that will be counting down all top 10 videos without our little commentary we've provided here but yes. we'll have a we'll have a video that goes through all 10 from the year let's pray yes let's heavenly father we thank you for this opportunity be able to go back through these videos of the year thinking upon your truth the things that you have said according to your word that's ultimately what we want to be about through this ministry that we do proclaiming Christ and him crucified for our sins so that many will hear the good news of the gospel. They'll turn from their sin to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. The wrath of God is coming. Judgment is coming upon this world. But it's only through Christ that we can be saved from the wrath of God. We can be forgiven our sins. We can have fellowship with God now and the promise of eternal life with you forevermore in glory. So may your gospel truth continue to go out through the podcast or the videos that we do, the ministry that our church does, Providence Reformed Baptist Church here in Casa Grande, Arizona. May you bless this church with the ministry that we're doing and many other churches as well who fear the Lord and proclaim his truth and desire that the world may know Christ our Savior, our Lord and King. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, good news about 15 minutes of this episode is occupied by videos. Hey. So, and the, uh, I've got comments. So we're playing, we're playing the video and then I'm reading the comments, like the top comments from the videos. And then we're we're responding to those comments. Top comments or like the, the most liked comments. Like, yeah, that's how they end up top. Oh, okay. Yeah.
I just figured it was chronological. No. No, it's not. No. Oh, okay. I mean, you can set it that way. You can. There's a like a drop down option, sure. and you can select most recent or something like that. So okay. I'll show you the most recent comment. <clears throat> or you can go most liked. We're That's off to a great start. I'm already yawning. Yay. You'll do fine. There's no Beth Moore in this one. <sighs> I almost Are you sure? I almost Are you did. Sure? I almost did a Beth Moore video at the end of the year. Uh, and you know it would have ended up in the top 10 if I did. Okay, so tell me, <laughs> who, who was the heretical lady that was doing the new um, 2024 Bible reading something or other? Oh, um, it was uh, Tara Lee Cobble. And it's not that she's a heretic. She's just, you know, Lifeway women, sort, uh. Uh, sort of a person. Okay. So it's just not sound theology. Her podcast doing her Bible reading plan for 2024 mm-hmm. reached number one. It was like a number one well, podcast yeah, in whatever that's what category it's in. People want to do, and they want to find the easiest way to do it. Yeah, I, I don't blame them. That's me too. So there were a lot of ladies <laughs> that gravitated toward her Bible reading plan for the year, and yeah, yeah, had to warn about her. Mm. Don't follow Tara Lee Cobble. Go to WWUTT and do our Bible reading plan <laughs> right. right there. Okay. <laughs> okay, you ready? No. I need some caffeine, but I don't want to drink caffeine. Well, this is the end of the tea, and you wouldn't want to do that anyway. No. Do you want a Sprite? It's room temperature. I could do that. Okay, let me get your Sprite. 